Welcome to Elite Six Think Tank, an open discussion group with business owners who share their knowledge, experience and skills. So just to explain how it works in case you've forgotten, I've got three books and if you want to speak, uh, put your hand up, we'll give you a hand. If you speak too long, I'll probably come up and pry the ball out of your hand. And uh, if you um, have one of the balls, please make it visible so I can see it and we'll get started. So last week we talked about uh, the topic called risk management and I gave an example of one guy who decided that he was going to get himself in the hospitality industry and he bought himself a bar. He did have to pay for it for 12 months but because of his experience he thought he could turn the bar around, make it a profit and pay the um, person's bill at the end. And then all of a sudden he found out he couldn't do it so he went and bought another bar with the same theory and the same uh, idea, couldn't turn that bar around, so then he went and bought another bar. And at the end of it, he was $400,000 in the red, and then um, he went bankrupt. And I knew two people that were personally affected by only small amounts, uh, but the question really is, um, is that an acceptable way to start up a business? What sort of risk do you take? Uh, when starting up a business, and should you use your money or somebody else's money, and where's the ethics and all that? Is there, I want to start with that. Sean. I got, actually, I, I got a question. Like, he got a four, $400,000 uh, loans, right, from, no. from the bank? No, he basically used everyone else's money on tick, got credit applications, one of the guys was a painter and a decorator, went in and painted one of the bars, he didn't get paid. Another guy was a supplier of orange juice and he was $15,000 in the red and, uh, and he didn't get paid either. And the guy basically said he gave it a go and I don't think that's a way to start off a business. $400,000, not $400. $400,000, $400. $400,000. If I'm the bank, I won't really lend, lend the money to him, and he only only all the money for for other contractors, right? Yeah, he used other people who were hopeful that um, that he was going to. Well, they didn't know his financial position, but basically, he, he would feel quite comfortable ringing up somebody and saying, "Look, I've got a job for you. Can you come and pay the bar?" And, um, and then they would do that, and then uh, he would say, look, I'm, uh, I'll try to get some money and pay you when I get the money. Okay, so I put my, my shoes into the people who actually uh, loaned money from home, because previously I did P2P for more like, a, a, you know, loan money for someone else. But before doing that, we have to make sure we are the secondary um, uh, mortgages for uh, you know, but we, we need to know he has properties. The properties can be sold and then covered by some of the uh, mortgage loans and then be signed. The money is enough for us. So we got actually got some protections. I don't really understand why those three or four uh, businessmen, including the ju juice guy and uh, the, the painter and decorators, doesn't really check his um, Ability to paying back the debt. That, that's probably a really good point, actually. I don't really understand. Yep. Well, why they don't do that? It's part of risk management. It is part of risk management, but part of the problem is, as humans, we like to believe what we're being told. 
The other part of the problem is, and it's way too easy, we used to have a supplier that was called something, and they liquidated, put a that in front of their name, and were back trading, and of course if you search the name with that in it, it doesn't come up with all the history of all the old company. I also saw that tradie out and about in a new car the other day with new graphics on it that, um, so it used to be something, it used to have the word complete in it, now it's changed, it's exactly the same, the graphics are all the same, but that word complete has changed to total. So, one, one, so he, actually I didn't lose any money out of it, but the original thing was about 10 years ago, put the that in front of his name about seven years ago and recently he's obviously changed it again. So there's now a third company that he's been able to run with actually no history. So these companies obviously don't really care about the risk and they can sleep at night it's and the they directors. just think that's, but they think that's business. It's the director, not the company. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> a bull moment. Um, in in the uh, 1980s, in harness racing, there was a company came along and imported American horses. And if you breed to an American horse, uh, you're able to enter in all of these races. And if you like, you won them. You like, you got extra money over you like and above you like the amount that you won because you like went to the American. Horse, and what they assumed is that you know, like there wouldn't be you know, any absolutely amazing horse arrive along out of these American horses, and uh, there was. And then uh, the next year, you know, like there was again, and then you know, like the year after, you know, like horse went boom, 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 you know, like and won a million bucks in extra payments, and it actually it destroyed the business that night. <laughs> the next morning, right, it had opened up the yellow under another name. And there's two ways to look at this. There's the way that if you're on the wrong end of that, it's going to cost you money. Um, if you're on the other end, you know, it actually protects you. You know, like the laws are out there to encourage everybody you know, to operate. Um, and you just have to assume that everybody's operating in an ethical way, do, and it's do not necessary. I think, well, I think you do, but you have to manage the belief of the ethics of other people, I guess. Uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. So, just what we're really discussing, we've got four points to talk about the experiences, the solutions, the problems, and then hopefully we'll have some takeaways from today. But so far, people's experiences were risk, risk takers. Uh, any more examples of those type of people that you've heard take amazing risks, or did they get the reward? Well, Sorry, that's that's Renee just tuning up now for the meeting. <laughs> yeah, I've got a young client down south, Danny, and uh, I work in the business field. This is a farm. He's 37. Um, his debt's only what's well, about 50 million. Um, He's a, risk, he's a risk taker. The timing has been impeccable getting onto the risk machine. So he's acquired land over land over land. Uh, Rubber Bank are backing him. Um, 
you know, he's got cash flow, interest rates are low, uh, dairy, there's, uh, there's several farms. Uh, so at the moment, all, all planets are lined up perfectly for him. So there's no, there's no issues. But it's when the, something goes wrong, as we did three years ago when the schedule dropped from $8 a kilogram to $4 a kilogram milk salts, that really impacted. Uh, so that's a, you know, that's a fear that's out there at the moment. That's why the banks, from Aussie banks, all of them, are, you know, putting the squeeze on a lot of the copies. But one of the things with risk is that I had a, an inquiry from Auckland uh, two weeks ago, and they just asked me to look at it. We're all self-employed, and it's ACC, and is it the, well? I can tell you now. The is paying just on two thousand nine hundred dollars. Uh, an ACC for the two directors. They're on the right code, so there's no problems there. Everything is fine, but they're on ACE. They they take money from the company to themselves with PAYE. So that and the company will continue to produce. There's a dozen staff. The company two million dollar turnover. So it's just it's a small company. The company will keep turning over, so they will not be able to prove loss. So at the moment, what they've got. From ACC, there's null and void. They won't get a cent if they go and claim. They will not get a cent because you cannot prove loss. I have a farm company or farm accountants here in town. About five years ago, they had seven, seven people, seven farmers that had nil claims. They've been paying premiums, nil. And one of them actually had to pay $11,000 back. Because the farm, and correctly so, he was on the wrong code. And not the wrong code, he was on ACC Cover Plus. And, and that's that's a, such a simple simple exercise when you're minimising risk right. for yeah. the key people. Right. I, I'm thinking of what comes to mind with risk is these people when the houses were they were buying like they buy up ten houses, use the equity in one, and then get another one, use the equity in that, get another one, and then and all of a sudden they were so tight to the wall that something changed, and all of a sudden everyone was feeling sorry for these people that couldn't afford to sell their houses. Um, but is that the sort of... That's okay because actually at the end of the day the only thing they're risking is their own <coughs> life. Well, banks really, isn't it? Well, stuff the banks, that's what they're there for. They get paid for that, don't they? They, they, should, they should calculate the risk. Well, they have the insurance they have for the yeah, air money. Exactly. So no, the, the, only, the thing we're talking about here is when the, the decision that you make in your own life affects the other people around you. Hmm. I'd actually like to go back to um, Sean who didn't quite understand it. If I'm a painter and a decorator and I'm going to go along with for Sam, um, how do I know Sam's going to pay me? Yeah. And Sam says, oh, I will pay you, I've got lots of money coming in. And then I go, I'll take him on his word. Uh, Sam's a good fella, but at the end of the day, I'm waiting three months for my payment, and then I realise that money is um, not going to get paid. So how could I, uh, I don't know how to say the word, admit it, admit it? Risk. Like, how could I get a better relationship with Sam? Do I make sure he's got money by charging him half the money before I even start? And if Sam says, no, 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 uh, no, 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 I can't do that, then well, back then off. Well, you know there's a problem. Yeah. 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 Yeah rather than business with the business because what you were saying is is that how can people get into such debt 
and it's part of risk management is we tend to look at the person that we're dealing with before we look at the business that we're dealing with and how they operate. So for example, my partner and I were involved with a gentleman that we knew for two years prior. We'd had lots of dealings with him, went into business with him, uh, then things turned to custard. And um, after a while, we, he, my partner had a meeting with him and um, found out that he'd been discharged, uh, sorry, he spent time on home detention with an ankle bracelet for tax evasion. And when my partner said to him, I didn't know, he, he goes, why didn't you tell me? And the guy's remark back was, you didn't even ask. Mm. So, you know, how many of us do business with the person mm. rather than looking at the business like, just exactly like you're saying, how can these people continue to get dead? And it's potentially because they're a good talker and we're not researching the business, we're looking at that person. Mm -hmm. I like that. Right. Um, David and then the wise man here, and then second, third wise man. Yeah, one of the things that we're very good at, is we are, or we should be good at, um, is checking that the people that we take on as clients can in fact pay. You know, in other words, do you consistently get a credit check on people who want to be a client and ensure that they are reliable risks for you? Because if you don't and they fail, in other words, you lose literally off your bottom line the, the investment that you have in them, then that's your fault, as far as I'm concerned. It's my the, fault. The, yeah, that's right. The interesting thing for me is, though, and let's just think about it, if you're in a business and you have a key supplier who's supplying you, who's an integral part of your business, literally, he's got almost as much investment as you. If you've got that person who's one of your suppliers, do you actually go and get a credit check on her or her or that business? It's a very sensible thing to do because if they fall over, you can well fall over as well. So minimise your risk by checking both your debtors and your key creditors. Yeah, but I don't want people asking me for a credit check because that's my privacy. You know, that's what they might say. If you're in, hey, if Once you're in check, business, if you're in business, part of the cost of being in business is in fact you lose your privacy around your creditors. Yeah, yeah. 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 could a check scroll will be go under if you keep checking them, right? Have you got a ball? <laughs> Just behave yourself. <laughs> Get expelled to that. Um, you had a ball, and you've got one. So he was first, and then um, so you, you, and then you. The you make it good. Okay, so the first thing is our invoice is composed of two parts, and that is the expense to provide the product and the markup or the profit over the top of it. So if we're not paid, we're not actually going to lose the whole amount of the invoice. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, right, we have a want to get work. And if we were to have, have, have a look realistically at how we're charging or invoicing, you know, like we may change 
the way that we do it. I ended up with a big training job, which was going to cost me a, a lot of money up front to do. So I asked uh, to have you know, like the money. Um, I asked up front because I was confident the answer was yes. But I asked up front as well because I thought if the answer is no, I don't actually want to actually deliver the training. Um, so why do we not ask up front? Okay, Ian? Just following on where Dave was coming from, linked to looking at credit checks and things like that. When you're going into business, obviously as a director, and you team up, or as an example, you know, you're jointly severally liable. And the classic example, oh, we're talking 20 years ago, a person joined the company, he came up with 500,000, and he was a director as well. Uh, there was a sleeper that had put money in, and there were the two of the original ones. The fast track, oh, 18 months later, the whole thing went tipped up, imploded. The two original guys had the, all their assets locked in trusts. The third person was limited to 150000 This other guy, fortunately, he had just put his, he'd put his house as tenants in common. He lost the one-fifth of the 500, and he lost 750 on the house when they forced him to sell the house. So the thing is that just be very, very careful when you go into business as someone, or when you're just saying here, is that do the credit checks and things like that. And remember, personal guarantees make sure there's none left behind. You know, I mean, I'm older than most people here. Maybe David, you've got me by a couple of months. But the thing is that if you'd be amazed. What personal guarantees are still here? We talked about it the other night. <laughs> yeah, so the thing is, when you're just around that they follow you after you're dead. And you don't just disappear because you're not you're in under the box. So is that what we're talking about here? We're talking about uh, people's experiences and we're doing all right in time. We have uh, Sam and then um, Renee. Um, yeah, so we do normally do ladies first, but quantifying a bit of what David and Kay said. The other thing about your due diligence is actually listen to your lawyer. If you've got a, um, a uh, distribution agreement or something like that you're working with, uh, go and get it checked. And uh, if he says, he or she says to put a certain clause in that means that you can get out if the head office isn't performing, well then actually put it in. It's a good advice. Very good advice. We had an experience with that the other day. Somebody asked you make sure you get advice. Doesn't want to make the same as estate twice yeah. and um, Richard did listen to a lawyer. She worked for this company for 10, month, uh, 10 weeks, didn't receive any money and the agreement was never signed and, and she, now she's like, what do I do? I said, should have listened to a lawyer. Yeah. Um, no, um, Renee, sorry. Uh, great shirt, Chris. Um, yes, nice. Just note that for the record, Chris is wearing a lovely shirt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris, not put sure it back on. Chris, go on. <laughs> <laughs> like, Can we try it on I'm not sure if it's even mentioned, but before I uh, have a meeting with a client, I Google them. Um, 
and if there's a significant conviction against that person's name, you'll find that on Google. And so I'll hit them up about it. And you know, sometimes I have one client that I'll give it a second chance to, and it's pretty much really down fine. Um, but Google normally tells you anything you need to know as far as if there's anything dodgy about that person. Probably not pay though, because you hide your well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Work with me. <laughs> <laughs> Different dodgy. Um, and then I also work out, I've got a calculation that I work out as to how much um, a job's worth to a person and uh, various other things to work out how much um, a lead would be worth to them through a digital purpose and if it's going to deliver them a return on investment. And if it comes under anything that I would recommend, then I say, no, let's not do business. So I sort of work out whether you know, it's, it's it's worth it or not at the start as well, but that's the, the two key things that I mm -hmm. do. So don't underestimate research, uh, research and client. Um, now, Sean, are you talking? Or oh, no, we've got me on, right? You're paying on the phone. <laughs> um, just to touch on the um, payment up front piece, um, scripts, <laughs> scripture models is, I believe, the way of the future. So, uh, well, for, for a lot of industries, and so, I try to transition any of my legacy payment style customers into, for example, credit card or direct debit. Um, and so I ensure that cash flow, and that's reduced my age debt significantly. I used to sit with any one couple of months upwards of 100,000 on, on age debt and have to chase it. And it's a massive saving time to move, you know, people who are not paying for the reason of they forgot that you know it's only a few hundred bucks here or a few hundred bucks there, but it adds up across the business, right? Like you can't let the small fish go um, on for too long. So um, yeah, transitioning and the, the couple of percent or the whatever percent I lose on a credit card transaction is, is easily paid back in my time saved. I have to agree with that. I mean, if I charge you guys seven hundred eight dollars in one hit, and you got three or four months behind it, um, then you know it's harder. But if I charge you fifty nine dollars. A month, then uh, I can keep track of people who get behind, you know, as you do sometimes, and I can always sort of tell the ones that are struggling. Anyway, you know what I mean? Uh, where are we at? We're sure. now. If we actually have that many transactions, so it's actually quite hard to be tracked if we have some sort of like, uh, I don't know whether or not Danny has a system to tracking all the people's all the payments. Individually, manually by yourself, by yourself, or by by an app or a system. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, uh, you can click a button on my system and see who's uh, overdue, and also how uh, if it goes red, then I know that they're behind the due date. But it's pretty much like what the zero does, right? So yeah, I don't use zero for that. Okay. So for for my. Well, my problem is that there are so many people in the, in the right in the beginnings you don't really have uh, the um, it's quite a cost too many costs for for getting to know the business first and then to deal with it no matter what you deal with the person or deal with the business you have to check the investments in first and then you make the decisions you have to check the credit so if you Imagine it's only about a hundred dollars jobs or a couple hundred dollars jobs, not really even reach one thousand dollars. How come you spend your money? I mean, spend your time into the to investigating that person. You don't really have the 
the opportunity cost is too high. You don't really have the time to do it. How much of your business is like regularly, like an office or something like that, and how much is Joe Blogs getting something done at their house? For individual clients, they may come out once a year or twice a year. So they come regularly back. But for those clients, I'm alright. But for new clients, they walk in and then they say that's been introduced by someone and some, someone else. We, we deal with business with them, but we don't really have time to check them. We don't really have time to check the credit checks. But if I'm coming in to you and I've been referred by someone and I say, can you come to my house for a one-off job and yes, I might be back next year. How are you charging me? Are you invoicing me or are you getting out your credit card machine and going, oh, it pay up? Well, we kind of like use both. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because he's trying to save 3%. They're trying. Not that that's what most people say. But even yeah. half the time, it's not because I'm going to use I, a credit card. I'm going to use my FPOS machine and I'm just yeah, going to yeah. swipe it because What, what I can done. do is I will provide all I can provide it to them. Say it's like I was sending them out invoices. I was collecting information like like including full name, cell phone number, and the email address and the address. And oh, no, like you that. come to my house, you do a bug kill, and I pay you on the spot, and then yeah. you don't get the problem. You may be surprised. I used to have a Ifpos machine, and 80% of the transactions were Ifpos, not credit yeah. card. Yeah, yeah. And I was surprised by that. But, but even if you are paying two percent, as you say, who cares? You've got your so money, you money not in forty days. Oh, it's free. It doesn't cash yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 it's not, nothing regarding uh, that. Yeah. Regarding Sharon's question, actually, is not really. Maybe fifty percent of the people will meet me in the front of the house, but for another fifty percent, they were just you know not showing up because. Just leave the key that there. Key there yeah. mm. But at least if you've got 50% that are paying you before you walk yeah. in. Yeah. Maybe your terms and conditions could have it. You have a credit card on file. They can pay other means. But if, you credit, if the invoice is not paid within seven days, then you would uh, use the credit card on file to do the transaction. No, I was not able to do that. Previously, the ANZ Bank can give us the opportunity to do that. But now they only accept uh, the card in front of yeah. you rather than they manually transactions or whatever. Yeah. Alright, we'll, we'll just go to Chris, I think. Oh no, Ashley. Ashley. Um, mine's very simple and straightforward, but it took me a long time to get my head around the idea of talking about money comfortably with people. Um, I think people or in my profession where a lot of it is one-on-one -on -one client consulting, being able to just comfortably bring up the topic pretty much as you're introducing the service that you give and being able to confidently talk about money and I think for me, I was always thinking, am I too expensive? You know, uh, what are they going to think of how much I charge? And then realizing that to some people, $200 is a lot of money, and to other people, $200 is not that much at all. So you can't make the assumption about people, what they think about you know, how much you charge in your services. And the other thing is always having a paper trail, which again is self-explanatory, but it's always being able to follow up um, with everything that you've talked about and discussed, and especially with those people who are great talkers as well. Um, and you know, clarifying everything that you want to get across, so that you don't get caught out. Because I have many times. <laughs> yeah. so I, I, I think don't get these bills. The days of giving somebody a ten thousand dollar bill, hoping they pay it, uh, is um, interesting. Sorry, Chris. Um, I just, there's a lot of conversation around risk and money, and I think risk in business is a lot more than just necessarily getting paid. There's there's a lot of risk with having staff mm -hmm. and yeah. IP being stolen processes that you worked on being taken, just staff themselves if you're relying on staff and then 
they get hit by a bus. Have you got the right procedures and things in place in the business to handle that kind of risk? Because it can sink a lot of companies where they might be reliant so much on someone without realising and then boom. And no one knows what the hell that person did or how they did it. Can, can we actually scrambled. change the focus? Because what you said I thought was better than talking about money we all want to be paid. But this morning we had a guy come along and he owns a gym out in Ranger, Paul Blackburn. And he said he's just finally got the awesome staff and the whole business. He says he's got rid of a whole lot of people on the bus he didn't need. And he's, and I said, have you come up with a system for looking after your staff and making sure that every three months you don't forget and do something nice for your staff? Because like you just said, it's it, there's more than just being paid risk in a business. So maybe we can discuss other types of risks that come up in a business. You guys are a risk to me. Because if you guys don't turn up here, that's a risky business for me to be in. I think it's, it's really, it's key to to look at your business and go, what process, you don't necessarily have to know every single detail of how everything works, because we can't, because, you know, I don't know every detail of accounting, but I have to, you have to have an understanding as a business owner about the various aspects, so if something does happen with a staff member or a system, then at least you've got some understanding of what the hell that thing did and how you got there. So you've got to mitigate it, but you've got to set your own terms. And in our, in our business, we, we started, we were super flexible with customers and processes on trying to help others. And we got bitten and burnt uh, a number of times and we came to the realization that actually it's our business, it's our terms. It's how we want to operate. And that's not just with the customers, it's also with the staff. And it's with how we interact with our suppliers. This is our business, this is how we want to operate. And we need to stick to that. And if people want to do a business with us, then these are our terms. And if you don't want to do accept these terms, then you're not the right fit for us and our company. And what because we've done the whole flexible angle with staff and with customers and being burnt because we're trying to accommodate other people, which has then put us at risk. And to mitigate our risk, we're having put, we put things in place to say, well, this is the way we operate. And if you don't like that, then this is not going to be a fit for us. And we say that to staff quite regularly when they come and start with us. It's like, this is the way we work. You won't have access to passwords that are all encrypted. And if you don't like that and you want to start storing passwords unencrypted, well, that's not going to work for us. There's, so it's probably not going to be a fit. You just, you've got to be, it's like, you've got to be strong enough to actually say, this is the way I want to operate to reduce my risk. Be willing to work with the client, but still you've got to reduce your risk, otherwise you can totally exposed. I just think another side of that too, the customer comes to you for a few thousand dollars and they want to do some website or something, what's their risk using your services? Correct. Yeah, that's a, right, thanks Kate. Um, so I've just got, so, um, I'm using a call centre based overseas um, to do a lot of outbound calling for, for my business. Um, and one of the questions that I had for them is because my business is online and it's selling supplements, um, the potential is, is that they're going to get phone calls and they're going to have to take credit card details from people. And um, I know what how, how I'm dealing with credit taking customers' credit cards, but the question that I had for them is what sort of risk management process do you have in place so that these credit card details can't be used if they're writing them down? Um, and they said we don't we don't have any, we don't allow any pens or any paper on our desks. It's part of the requirement that when they work here, no pens, no papers, 
they're not even allowed to bring sort of their bags to their desk or anything like that. And I thought, oh my God, one, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't cope because I like my pen and paper to make notes as I go, but maybe that's old school now. So you know? you're telling me the people that commit fraud on the internet have got really good memories? No, and, and <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not foolproof, you know, but I just thought it's, it's a way because, you know, mm. for some old people, they, you know, they'll give you their credit card details over the phone three or four times mm. and you've actually physically got to write it down or type it out somewhere mm. because then transposing numbers or a six looks like a nine or, or whatever but it's not foolproof but I thought hey that's mm. enough for me to know. It's, it's about limiting, it's shrinking that risk isn't it? But the yeah. fact that they had an answer as well Absolutely. tells you what sort of company they are. Yeah. yeah. So anybody else would have gone, oh. So online yeah. shops they had three orders last night between 1 and 6am straight away I'm thinking oh and they're from overseas. Uh, so then I'm thinking, oh no, that's, that's cool, I'd like to be in the overseas market, but then I, uh, two of them had flagged for high risk, two of them were from the same country within five minutes of each other, and they both had different credit card numbers in different streets, so I could just sort of tell straight away, but I could be like a bit foolish and think, oh, could I really want the money, uh, and then process those orders, and then the credit cards get declined, you know. Yeah, you know, but you just got to use a bit of, uh, not stupidity, what's the other word for stupidity? Mouse. Yeah. Um, Rob. Rob. Yeah, I, um, the last few weeks that I turn up here and I go elsewhere, I think that the processes that we operate, if we have any, <laughs> uh, next to the big question, if we have any, are vitally important. Because if I got injured, or you know, it was in hospital or whatever, could anybody walk in you know, and operate my business? The answer is no. Um, if any of us you know, like, get injured you know, like, or hurt anywhere else, you know, like, is anybody able to walk into your place of work and do what you do? The answer is probably no. The massive risk if that happens. And a couple of weeks ago, we had in an organisation I was in, you know, like a meeting, and there were four people tasked to run the meeting, organise the meeting. One person organised it, they took over. And I realised the morning of the meeting, I thought, if this guy doesn't turn up, nobody in this room knows what to do. Pretty profound. Uh, we've got David Clarkson. I just talking to what Rob was saying, and I don't know whether you are all aware, but there we have in Elite Six one of our members, and her sole function in life is to, in actual fact, codify procedures in companies. And she will come in, and she will actually put all your procedures down on paper so that you've got something there. And if you want somebody to come in as a result of somebody one of the staff members going or something or other like that, then it's all there, it's ready to go and to cover that risk in time. That's just a, that's yeah. an advertisement. Yeah, well that'd be system and process and all that risk, suppose. Who's got the ball? That Chris guy. Um, so one of the things where you look at as With well, a nice shirt. Thanks man. Yeah. Um, is, is the future. Like, we, when we finish a project, we always go, there's some key things, so we run a code check to see if there's security concerns within the code that's been written. We run then uh, speed tests, so there's a baseline performance against the software that we run. 
and they're purely for internal risk management so that we can say at any point in the future if a client comes back to us and says oh you know I've been hacked and it's due to your code or my site my uh, software is not performing well it's due to you we can actually say well he actually here's the reports when we delivered the project this is it's an A level security and it's got this performance and we don't know what you've done since we've delivered that project to you and it just is a way of mitigating risk in the future and it's just it doesn't take all but five minutes because there's tools out there to do that mm. but you've got to think ahead not just today as terms of like like you're saying before personal guarantees in the future and things you might have a long-term relationship with that customer or you might not but they might still come back in two years time and they could be twice three times the size they were when you were dealing with them what is your risk from when you are engaged with them are you covered have you got that paper trail that Ashley was saying in place about the conversations and what you were due to deliver and the scope of the work that you're working on before them and the service that you're providing anyone ever used public liability insurance yeah we do yeah, yeah. ever used it though no no yeah, whatever it did once yeah, when I uh, stepped into a painting and, you know, I was uh, selling advertising to a, a little shop up in a picture framing shop up in Picton and uh, accidentally stepped back and put my foot through a painting wow and it worked they pay out oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. was it yeah. a um, what is it was it uh, artist it um, was a it was a and it's my favourite artist now, but it was a Tom, Tom Eastman painting. You were in one of those oh, pictures, right? Really? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a Tom Eastman painting. And, and because of doing that, I realised, wow, this guy is a really nice painting. He's my favourite artist. Be in uh, oh, no, no, you can't get in his paintings, so all European ones. But yeah, it was you were in his painting. At the oh, yeah, I was literally. <laughs> at the time, it was probably about a $7,000 painting. Mm. Yeah. Did you get yeah. to keep it? No, no, unfortunately not. That's yeah. right. Because when they bring it out and do my public liability, they said, what do you um, what do you do for work? And I go, oh, uh, well, I do a whole array of things, you know. It's quite a hard one to have a sort of a blanket um, cover on it, really. Um, so, yeah, I talk a lot, so apparently I'm not allowed to tell you guys to jump off a cliff. And if you do, I'm liable. Oh, I got insurance, so I don't care. But from that, 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 that point, I, was, I wasn't... I do care. <laughs> not go behind the scenes, stay in the front of house. Huh? What? Yes. Sorry, I was trying to unrecord something. <laughs> <laughs> in insurance man. Well, it's not so much that, it's just what Sam's saying, is that setting up a business, and last week came up getting good advice from an accountant. Mm. Sam just talked to, you know, a lawyer, that's all part of the cost of business. Public liability, yeah. professional indemnity cover. It's part of the business. But what are the necessities of a business? I think that'd be a good topic. Because when you start out, like for me it was $300 in my bank account, and I hitchhiked around to get some work. Yes, so you had a vision, you had your skill base, you had a vision and you had a one hope you had a plan of what, how you are getting there. So I go get on the client's computer and I do something, I blow up their computer and I go, yeah. sorry, I well, just started out. <laughs> Uh, well, it's mean you're leaving. Well, you probably could have got away with that 30 years ago, but you wouldn't get away with it now. Yeah, so there's been a shift in that sort of stuff. What about if you're starting up a lawnmower around and you don't have any tools? You know, are you covering yourself with it? What could well, potentially go wrong? Well, it was a cost of buying a lawnmower, isn't it? it was no, I used to knock on their doors and tell them I had a lawnmower around. Okay, that's fine. And then they'd say, how much do you charge? I'd say 10 bucks an hour. 
there's that sphere, and then they say, yeah, okay, you can mow my lawns, and I say, can I borrow your lumber? And the thing is that that's the risk they had, what you had to get paid, but also if something went wrong on the lawnmower, yeah, I I folded out the water and said the petrol. You walked away from it, that's the risk they Mm. took, yeah, so Mm. it's a plus and minus. So can you move the risk? Can you say, well, I don't all care, no responsibility, now do we do business with me? Or do you have that audacity to get away with it until you get everything in order? You know what I mean? And in what industries is that totally unacceptable? I want to start up a service station and just start pumping fuel. I don't need to get liability insurance, I'll just wing it until I make it. <laughs> not possible. But that no, comes back just, to the yeah. very original subject. You know, we've got cleaners that come in and see us, and I'll say, "Where's your insurance?" And they say, "Well, I haven't got anything because it's so expensive." And I'll say, "Well, mm. go away, because yeah. I'm not <coughs> taking on their risk that they burn a house down and it's going to come yeah. back on me." I reckon you definitely have to ask. I like Leon's comment about subscription-based business. I have people trying to sell websites for four or five thousand dollars, and I go, "Well, why don't you just do it different?" I know Renee's company has a setup fee, and then you pay quite a higher monthly fee than most people would think. But that means that you, in two or three years' time, you don't need to upgrade your website again. It's all part of the package. So now you're spreading that out. But at the end of the day, they could say, "Well, actually, we're going to charge five or ten thousand dollars for a website. Uh, your hosting's only going to be ten bucks a month." And in three years' time, I'm going to charge another five or ten thousand dollars to do it all over again. But instead of looking at that and thinking, well, we want to keep our clients happy, affordability, they can afford 150 bucks a month if it's that, and then um, and then they've eliminated, they've managed to repackage the same stuff in a different way that's more appealing and get the money eventually and keep the clients longer. It's um, just talking about the risk, and I recall seeing a client before, before the earthquake, and the had a business. I had the um, in the house. There were personal guarantees from the house to the business, and so we looked at that issue. Then looked at the business, and the business was um, oh, we'll call it the ABC business. Do you have any assets in the business? Would you put shareholder capital in it and like that? And I think it was, it was only like the computer. It was next to nothing. So we walked outside from the meeting, and he walked towards the vehicle, and it had. Uh, signage all over what he's doing. I said, you just told me you, you had no assets in the company. Oh, no, well, that, uh, we own it. But I said, you've got signage over it. And I said, and then I just asked him, and I'm not a specialist in fire in general, but I just said, one of the questions that came up, I said, have you got that insured in the company's name or privately? He said, oh, no, wife and I have it. He was driving around in a vehicle that was uninsured. And you think of the consequences of that, if it was a, he ran into the Mercedes and was worth a hundred grand, tick, 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 back onto the family house. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so, so simple. Yeah. yeah, but it was, yeah. I had commercial insurance with AMI, and apparently they don't do commercial insurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Somebody made a mistake until I had an accident, they had my sign writing. <laughs> and they said, oh, we don't actually cover people. And they go, well, listen to the phone call. And they had mm, insured me for commercial insurance at the time, this few years ago. Uh, anyone else, David Clarkson? Yeah, just, just a comment. Back in the dim dark, distant past when I was in the army, we used to have a, a phrase, and that was um, reinforce success, not failure. And uh, I think a lot of the time the, we uh, intensify the risk by actually trying to fix what's already failed. 
ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. But that also comes back to what you were saying before about making sure you protect your staff and all the rest of it. So where's this going? We've got some pretty good notes on there. Chris, you've done well with our mind map. Ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, experiences, takeaways. We've already got takeaways. How about that? Um, We've got people don't listen to expert advice, but I also think people sometimes take advice from people who don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yep. Uh, and you end up getting rubbish advice and think, why did I listen to that person? You know, they, were, they totally didn't even know what they were talking about, or maybe it worked for one person, it didn't work for me. Well, maybe it's family advice we should yeah. listen to sometimes and take out emotion and feeling. Yes. Yeah. So let's start up a virtual business, what it's going to be called. I always wondered about the guy that's made toothpicks and how he's built a business out of selling toothpicks. If you were here saying toothpicks are in every cafe around the world, it's a multi-million dollar business. What about the guy who made the little things on the ends of your shoelaces to keep them tight? <laughs> My mate sells those. Bricks. That is the guy who patented that multi-billionaire. I mean, My mate struggles to sell them, but he does sell them. Guy that came up with the road cones. Posted loads of money. Yeah, toilet paper. <laughs> Classic. What's another business that's funny like that? Bottled water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, I know a guy that does that in um, Ring Europe. He sells deer velvet as well, funny enough. Um, but yeah, he's just got a bottling plant. Um, there's some people who try to bottle ear. Yeah. Funny companies get off the go. I mean, um, do they borrow other people's money? Do they um, are these social? Uh, what are they social enterprises? Uh, they're using other people's money, but they're they're um, you know some businesses aren't feasible. I always see them like the, the guy that tried to start the the milk business locally. But I mean, imagine yeah. going to your bank and saying, "I want a can here and send it to China." Yeah, we, we but having the ability to sell that. To someone that's given them some money to can eat yourself. Just maybe about identifying your market. That's right. Mm -hmm. You go there first. Yeah. Get the orders. A bottle of yeah. air is not that expensive. <laughs> you can make the bottle. It's more expensive than the stuff I'm breathing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking uh, that's an interesting thing. So, what about people who have too much money starting up a business and causing disruption? I used to have a lot to do with rental car operators. And as soon as um, rental car operators could uh, basically start up a company, all Hertz, Budget, Avis, uh, and all those uh, thrifties and all that, it really suffered a lot while all these disruptors come into it. And now these days, if you drive around the airport, you see Maui and all these big companies have survived, they've got deep pockets, and a lot of the disruptor companies have actually been merged together. Now they're a big company. Apex Rentals, they're one of the ones that have really done well in the industry and maintained um, small small business that's grown massive now and come up to the same these main frame companies so um, yeah so I always wonder where their money come from it's interesting on the radio this morning the way I know we're talking about house power companies 
Yeah, the, the government's now going to investigate our power and why we pay so much for power. But they're talking about top five power companies own 88% of the market. Mm. And, but the minor, there's about 20 players and other players in the market that offer cheaper power, but people don't use them. So why, and they were saying on the radio, why do people keep sticking with the top five when there's other options out there who only own 20% of the market but offer a far better value and service? But hang on, the, the generators have to sell it to the uh, power authority that then on, on sells it to everyone else and, and half of the ones that are generating it are also the on sellers. So it all goes through the government anyway. So they're the ones that jack the price up. A, a, lot of the, a lot of the new small ones are, are um, pre. <laughs> uh, they're, like they're, they're trading on the futures of power and things like that. Like, so they're buying, pre buying at a rate and everything. They're, they're gambling. Those, those they're taking risk. Yeah, they are. Well, there's a new company called yespower.nz, and they are basically going to be um, shopping for the cheapest power. And you sign up with them, and they'll keep you informed. There's no such thing as the cheapest power. It's all the same no. price. They buy all at the same price from the authority. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a middleman. Who are you using? Yeah, it's the government. It's the middleman. Civil yeah. mm. middleman. There's only <laughs> one. All the generators have to supply to the one uh, uh, power authority. Right. Where does petrol come from? Right. Petrol comes from a different, no, a different place. Comes from the planet. Mm. Yeah. Only one planet. Um. Right. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, to answer, <laughs> yeah. What power company do you I can tell by the yeah, what, what power company? Bloody hell, is that got to do with it? Genesis, <laughs> and I was actually <laughs> looking around yeah. the other day. I, I will answer that question actually why people go to the top five because the government, governments deregulated power, but they didn't educate the people what that meant, which means you are buying on credibility of the brand name. You're buying a risk. Mm. That is a risk. You're assuming you're buying and there is no risk yeah. if you're at a big name. And literally the other day I had a look online, you know, like at the options for power. And, and there's all these no-name little businesses and you have no idea who they are. Mm. And you have no idea if their description of cost savings is real because you're not actually comparing apples with apples and, and if the government, God, i get on my soapbox now, <laughs> if the bloody government, Labour or anybody else wanted to do anything, they would have everybody charge the same um, rate or the same way and then you could compare apples with apples. But if you go on to Genesis... That's what I just said they are. No, they're not. The government is the one that sells it to all the retailers. No, no. No, I'm price. talking about the retailers package the power in unusual and unique ways, which means you can't just go on and go, you like, well, that's the most expensive and that's the least. Like the government the should power. come along and say that you can only charge 50 bucks an hour, as with any other trainer. Yeah, it's no, 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 no. Yeah, what I'm yeah, saying yeah. is that the government <laughs> should say that everybody advertises a per hour rate. Is what I'm saying. Everybody advertises. Yeah, but that wasn't my comment. My comment was, <laughs> and, he's got the ball. and I have the ball. Over a minute. Uh, my comment was, is in terms of managing risk, 
I think most of us unthinkingly assume that the risk is the unforeseen expense to an existing business where it is established. But actually, the risk also involves if we keep on doing what we're doing, do we risk not doing what we could be doing? Okay, right, the opportunity yep. cost yes. of, of, of doing what we're doing. And, and the one thing that I think is, is that if any business analyst walked into our, our businesses, can we quantify exactly what we do? Because if we can't quantify exactly what we do that another person could see it, we can't see it, and so any decision that we make is not based on good data. Interesting. Yeah, well, Thank you, Rob. Just, um, we've got five minutes to go, and I just wanted to leave you with one bit of useless information that you'll go, oh, really? Uh, did you know why the yellow pages keep getting delivered in your mailbox when no one really uses it? Because they don't listen to it when you tell them you don't want it anymore. No, they do. They have to. Well, they don't. So you tell them that. But it's because it's, it's illegal. It's getting smaller. Do you know why they keep delivering the small yellow pages every year religiously? No. It's a legal requirement. Found that out this week. Because when they privatised the yellow pages, the government put it into legal straight, legal, what's that word? Legislation. Thank you. Um, they, they must keep delivering the yellow pages to around the houses. So yeah, it's a bit of useless information, but when you get it, it's a legal requirement. I would like to have some takeaways for today, just a couple. Who's got anything out of any risk management? I don't know. Where did that go? Because I don't feel we... We had some really good points I there. I think risk, I don't risk management. This is just the end. Just, well, just, you know, the, my late accountant always said, cash is king. And the thing is, what we're looking at is the bottom line. So if there's a saving here or a saving there, you know, look at it and identify where you're spending money and if it's good value. You mm -hmm. know, and I'll go back to that ACC. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a, here's a client spending 2.8, I've suggested spending 3.8, and they only get three times the cover. Yeah. Okay, and uh, so. It's an Auckland crowd. So we, we know, thought about it, when you're setting up a business, um, the necessities of running a business could be one thing. Uh, these days, maybe I can't get 300 bucks in my bank account, hitchhike around and start up a business, or can I? It's different, isn't it? So there must it's be a cost to starting up a business. It just, it's a cost of business for so we'll sit over here. Yeah, and also I think what I got from today was really that we should really, uh, if we're doing business with people and we're partnering with money, we should do a bit more, um, interrogation might be a bit more heavier work, but research who you're doing business with. Yeah. Maybe... And don't uh, be afraid of saying that you're not the right fit. Yeah. 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 I quite like the fact that you can't wing it these days so much, uh, but you still have a sense of adventure. Uh, next week's topic. Um, you did have something you talked about. Uh, I just actually would like to make a takeaway. If we were to investigate, you know, like where we spend our money or receive the money, you know, like we may be able to work out uh, how we can cut our expenses and increase, you know, like the revenue by targeting the right people. Being more focused on expenditure. Being more focused on identifying where our customers are and how we originally reached them as well. Hmm. Um, okay. So what was topic was that? <laughs> Risk management. You just did that topic. I know. That was his takeaway. Oh right. Okay. I would get a full stop at the end of it. Alright, that's good. Well, we finished the talk on risk management, which was a bit blurry for me today because there's so many different levels on that.
So I'm trying to think of um, something more exciting next week. Ashley's um, more exciting. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, I like the scarf. Thank you. I like sure. Thank you. Oh, she's oh, a gentleman today. Your hair looks lovely. Oh, keep them coming. Helen's not here, okay? Yes, not either. I really. Like to know. <laughs> um, how do we know if what we're like charging and pricing is good for our customers and for ourselves? We well, said the funny lady at the moment who is here occasionally on a, a think tank, and she's flat tack at the moment, and she went along to an accountant, and um, basically the accountant was going to charge $200 an hour, and somebody said, "Is that a good price or a bad price for an accountant?" And I said, "I know that lady's charging $40 an hour for her services." Now there's straight away I'm going. She's worth more than $48 an hour, and she's flat tax, and she's wondering why. And, and I'm going, well, $200 for an accountant? I just paid an accountant for about two and a half hours, $500, so that's probably about right. And I also paid her $600 uh, four weeks earlier for more of a time. But at the end of it, I already have an accountant, but I just wanted the advice from somebody, and I got the advice I want, so the money was irrelevant. So uh, uh, saying in that, I mean, how do we know I, I, I can, as soon as somebody tells me they're charging $40 an hour, I can guess that they used to work for an employer and they used to be getting paid $20, $25 an hour and they think, oh, I'll just add 15 but realistically, straight away, you've got to be 60 bucks an hour before you even think about being in business. So is next week's topic around identifying your worth? Yeah, we've done something similar. Yeah. Identify your already worth. Is that, yeah. Because if you divided how many hours you work by your income or your profit. Oh, it's scary. Yeah. yeah. It's scary. <laughs> so do you reckon something um, about the worth, identifying your worth? I have, have, have watched a lot of people talk about their business, like to pitch it in the last month, and they all suck. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm being honest. And I think that what a good topic could be is, is to work out, you know, like what you do... Why do you do it? Um, I'm not doing elevator pictures. Well, well, look, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, right, every, every time I, I ask a person what they do and, and they waffle on for 10 minutes and, and don't, and can't no. sum it up in 10 words, mm. I'm thinking, I don't think you know what you do. Yeah. Can I just uh, ask David Clarkson to tell me what he does in 30 seconds? Hi, my name is David Clarkson. I'm from Dynamic Communication. We build more confident, more competent, more credible communicators. So if you want some help in that direction, give us a call. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I said that to you guys next week, would, what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> Can't see hand signals on the microphone. <laughs> oh, no, thank you. Uh, yeah, okay, well maybe I'll think about that and give it a title of some sort. Um, identifying your worth, describing who you are. What's your unique point of difference? Unique no, I hate point of difference? It's a very good tune, but it's yeah. Yeah. Well, Thank you for today. That's thank us. You. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>